Well, at this time, I'm going to have our ushers come back forward with the Bibles, and we're going to get into God's Word. And so if you are here and you need a Bible, put your hand in the air. They have Bibles to give to you to use. You're welcome to keep it if you don't have one at home. What you're going to want to do, though, is turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be in Proverbs again today. That's page 449 of the Bible that's being handed out to you right now. And similar to last week, I'm going to give you a little word of warning. Uh, You're going to need limber fingers again. Because we're in the part of our study of Proverbs where we're tracing themes through the book. And so that means we're going to be going throughout the pages of Proverbs to, to unpack these themes. So get your fingers warmed up, or you can look at the screen behind me because we'll put the verses up there again. So today is stewarding your speech. That's what we're here to talk about. That's what we're going to learn about. And I thought we could start by doing a, a little activity together. Um, by show of hands, how many are familiar with the old saying, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you have heard that saying, right? Okay, good, yeah. Pretty much everyone. I hate to crush your childhood, but I'm going to tell you that phrase is a lie, okay? We have to expose that phrase as a lie. Here's a better rendition of it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will hurt me deep inside. That's a more accurate way of saying that. Every human learns this very quickly in life, right? Whether it's the uh, schoolyard bully, whether it's strife within the home, right? We see and we learn how words can be weaponized and used to inflict maximum damage. And those words stay, and the hurt stays. It can be profound and long-lasting. And so contrary to that old saying that words will never hurt me, um, actually they do hurt you, and they can stick around for a long time. And that's why what we're studying today in Proverbs is so important. We have to realize your words, they have power. In fact, Proverbs even points that out. In chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think about that. Your words, what you say, can either inflict damage on the people you're talking to, or they can impart life to them. Which one will you choose? I would encourage you, like, think about the inflicting damage. What comes to your mind when you picture that? Someone who's speaking in a way that's destroying others. The imagery that comes to my mind is a wildfire, right? And so uh, my words, when I'm speaking words of death, are spreading destruction, right? So I'm ablaze, And then I come to you and I speak something to you and I set you ablaze. And then what do you do? You carry that off to someone else and you set them ablaze. And it just, I mean, reaps the same kind of death and destruction over and over. It it gets out of control. On the other side of that is the words of life, which I picture as a cool and refreshing water that just quenches the fire. And so I've got a picture here of a fire extinguisher putting out that blaze. That's what words of life, words of encouragement do. Or uh, they're like the nourishing waterfall that creates the opportunity for lush, green jungle to grow. Words of life build up, they encourage, they, they give opportunity to grow. Your words have power, right? Your words have power. That's one of the things we have to realize this morning. But why do they have power? How, how do our words have such power? Where does that come from? The answer to that goes actually to the very beginning of creation. So just like last week, we're going to go back to the very start of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 1. 
And your words have power because God gave them power. Let's look at Genesis 1, the first three verses of the Bible. Here's what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, and it happened. He spoke, and it came to be. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's some powerful words right there. God speaks, and things come into existence. And this God is the same one whom we heard about last week, that he made men and women in his own image. He made you to be his image bearer. He makes you as a man or a woman who speaks. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the beasts of the lands, they don't, they don't speak. But humans do. You have been entrusted with a gift. You have a stewardship of speech. God's created you in his image, and he wants you to reflect him in the way that you use your words So the call is to honor him and to glorify him. Now, your words have power, but they don't have power to speak things into existence like God. He alone has that power. But your words have the power to instill life or death into others, to bring them up or to tear them down. Right? We just heard about that in Proverbs. You can come up to someone who is struggling, and you can speak a word that will drive them further into despair, or you can speak a word that will help lift them up out of despair. You can... Uh, Come alongside someone and encourage them onto love and good deeds. Or you can entice them to follow you down the path of folly. Right? What kind of speech will you have? Are you stewarding your speech in a way that honors God? That's what we're here to talk about today. You can either pursue folly in your speech or you can pursue wisdom in your speech. And God and I, as your pastor, clearly want you to pursue wisdom the path that leads to life. And so with all of that in mind, here's what we're going to do. We're going to seek to learn how to honor God with your tongue. That's kind of what we're, we're looking to unpack today. And I would like to show you one of the passages in Proverbs we've already studied in previous weeks. It's Proverbs 4.23. It's come up a few times, actually. Here's what it says. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. This is in the first, you know, 10 chapters of of Proverbs where King Solomon's writing a letter to his son and explaining to him how to live. And he makes sure to emphasize, keep your heart, son, protect it. Why would he do that? Why is that part of his counsel to his son? Well, King Solomon knows that whatever is ruling your heart is going to have direct influence over the way that you live and ultimately the way that you speak. I shared this a couple weeks ago, but the teaching of Scripture about our heart is that it is the control center of our lives. It's the causal core of your personhood. Whatever is going on in here, in your inner man or your inner woman, it's going to directly influence the way that you live. And so that's why King Solomon says you must keep your heart with all vigilance. If you allow sin to rule your heart, you will live in a sinful way. If you allow love for the Lord to rule your heart, you will walk in a way that pleases Him. 
And let me show you. Uh, this plays out through the rest of Proverbs. Consider chapter 16, verse 23. Here's what it says. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Right? You hear that the heart is influencing the speech. They're directly correlated. Let me show you this. this same thing in a different passage. Proverbs 23, verses 15 to 16. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. So again, here's the father observing the son, and, and when he sees that his son is speaking what is right, he's, he's excited. He's blessed by that because he knows that reveals what's in his son's heart, that his son has a wise heart. The heart and the mouth are linked. Or here's an example on the opposite end now. Proverbs 24, verses 1 and 2, consider this. It says, Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. Right, so you see it there, that because of what's in their heart, because they have evil in their hearts, it influences what comes out of their mouth. Their lips are talking of trouble. The heart and the mouth are directly connected. And based on what you have in here, inside of your heart, it will produce a different kind of behavior and a different kind of fruit out there. And we have to realize that. And so, as we think about how do we honor God with your tongue, this is actually the first lesson. Realize your words flow from your heart. Realize that your words flow from your heart. You've got to grasp this concept. And unfortunately, or fortunately I suppose, depending on how you look at it, this means we actually have to correct another old saying, right? Many of you have probably said this or have heard this said, right? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. You ever said that before? You ever had someone say that to you? That is also a lie based on what we just heard. You did, in fact, mean to say that because what you said was already in here. You just weren't able to control it from coming out of here, right? And so, yeah, you didn't mean to say it because you didn't want people to know what you were thinking, but it was already going on in your heart long before it came out of your mouth. And that's important to realize. Your lips are simply giving voice to what your heart has been dwelling on. E, right? That's humbling, but it's also helpful. And it ought to be humbling because hopefully what we're doing right now is we're thinking back over the last week or the last month of, of the kind of things we've been saying, the ways we've been speaking to others and treating them. I'm probably realizing, oh my, uh, there's some things that I've said, the things that I've done in my speech that, man, that reveals something yucky about my heart, right? There was something going on there that wasn't pleasing to the Lord. Maybe it was that I was harboring resentment, jealousy, selfishness, impatience, whatever it was. There was something on the throne of my heart, and it wasn't Jesus, it was some other idol. That ought to cultivate some humility in us this morning because wise words come from a heart that cherishes wisdom, but foolish words come from a heart that's cherishing folly. So what kind of words have you been speaking and what do they reveal about your heart? If there was any concern um, or question about whether the heart and the mouth are uh, connected, Jesus settles the issue in the New Testament. Listen to this. Here's his teaching in Luke 6, 45. It says, 
The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Right? Case closed. There it is. Jesus himself is saying, what's going on in here is going to influence what comes out of your mouth. And again, that's humbling, but it is helpful as well. It's helpful because it tells us what we need to do next. We don't just need to change our words, although that's important. We shouldn't keep speaking evil. But it's not just about behavior change or changing the fruit. We ultimately have to start by addressing the root issue. What's going on in our inner man, our inner woman, in the heart? That's where we must start. Start with the heart. If that's helpful to remember that, start with the heart. What you need to do this morning is to be willing to admit at the core of your being that you need to be made new. That is our greatest need as humans. We need to be made new. You need a rescuer and a redeemer, as do I. Let me show you what God says about the human condition outside of Christ. Titus 3, verse 3, Paul's reflecting, and he says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's the human condition. That's how each of us starts this life. We're foolish. We're disobedient. We're led astray by our passions and pleasures. We're enslaved to those things. And in our relationships with other humans, we hate them and they hate us. Frankly, that's not a very flattering description of the human condition. But that's who we are. I mean, look, out, look at our world, right? What do you see? You see headline after headline of people using their words to tear one another down. Or, if you're on social media, you see it all over social media. People tearing into each other, ripping each other apart for all different kinds of reasons. Right? From petty things to important things, but it doesn't matter. They're using their words to inflict death and destruction. You see it in the workplace. Maybe you see it in your own family. And the problem there, all of it, comes back to what's in here. In your inner man or your inner woman in the heart. We have sinful hearts that are misusing God's gift of speech. We're not being good stewards of it. Thankfully, God doesn't leave us there. He has a solution for us. And let me share that with you. These are the next three verses in Titus 3. Listen to this. Here's what Paul says. He says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Hallelujah for the cross, right? God's solution to your speech problem, which reveals your heart problem, was to send his son to die for you and to raise again then to conquer sin and death. He had a plan. It wasn't based on anything that you would do. It wasn't based on your righteousness or what kind of works you've done, but because of his own mercy and grace. That po- that's poured out on us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's his Holy Spirit that is the one who gives us a new heart, who enables us to believe. That's the very thing we just got done celebrating with the Lord's table. 
the very thing we just said thank you Jesus for in our singing and our worship earlier. For Christians, we have been made new. Not because we're so great, but because he is so great. We've been washed and renewed by his Holy Spirit, and now we have a choice to make. We can choose to honor God with our speech. We can be good stewards. We're not enslaved any longer. And so as we continue to study and read God's word this morning, we're going to have the privilege of figuring out, well, how do we do that? How do we honor God with our speech? But before we do that, I do believe it would be unwise of me if I just move on and assume that that's where everyone is at here today. It is very likely that we have some folks here who are wrestling with what they believe, or perhaps they know outright, I don't follow Christ. I don't call myself a Christian. And so I want to encourage you to consider what you've just heard from Titus 3, that God's position, his view of us as humans, outside of faith in his son Jesus Christ, is that we are rebellious, that we do not measure up, that we are stuck in our enslavement to sin. And if, if that's hitting you today, I would encourage you to realize God's made a way for you. He's made a way for you to be made new, just like he made a way for me to be made new. And so none of this is a whole, oh, I'm looking down my nose at you kind of thing. That's not it at all. I needed a savior. I still need a savior day by day. And I'm encouraging you to consider that you also need a savior that you do not have to stay stuck in your sin, that you don't have to be re repeating that pattern of being hated and hating one another in relationships with those around you. There is a way to be free from that, and it's faith in Jesus Christ. And if you want to talk about that, I'd love to do that after the service. I'd love to get coffee or a meal with you later this week. You name the time and the place, we'll make it happen. There's nothing more important. Well, let's keep learning. How do we honor God with our tongues? The second key theme that I've seen as I've studied Proverbs is this. We have to differentiate between wise and foolish speech. We need to differentiate between wise and foolish speech. And what you're about to see and hear is that you can tell a fool, you can spot a fool by the way that they speak. And conversely, you can also tell a fool or a wise person or hear a wise person by the way that they speak. They produce much different kinds of speech and kinds of fruit. And so as we go through this study and as we learn to build out what it looks like for wise speech and foolish speech, what I'm asking you to do this morning is to consider which category best describes your speech. It's going to require you to be humble. It's going to require you to be willing to, to observe and to consider and to listen but it is important to be able to tell the difference. Now, if you want to go and uh, do a study in Proverbs on your own, I would encourage you to do this sometime. Go through the book and make a, a note or a highlight of any time you see the word mouth or lips. And what's fascinating about that is those two words appear over 77 times in the 31 chapters of Proverbs, which tells us there's a whole lot about our speech in this book. It's an important topic, which is why we need to study it today. And so let's pick some verses and let's try to figure out, okay, is that wisdom or is that folly? So here's our first verse. Proverbs 10, verse 11. It says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So as you think about that, as you mull it over, right, it's clear there that there's a distinction. There's something that wise speech looks like and there's something that foolish speech looks like. So the mouth of the righteous is what? Say it with me. A fountain of life, right? And so 
wise speech looks like speaking words that are going to build up, words that are going to encourage, words that are going to speak life into others. That's what wise speech is and sounds like. But on the other side, we have the mouth of wicked, which conceals violence. Which So foolish speech sounds like someone tearing another down, seeking to hurt them, seeking to destroy by their words. And so we've got a little table, and we're going to put these things into their respective categories, and we're going to build this table out. Foolish speech conceals violence. Wise speech is a fountain of life. Okay? So we're going to keep, keep going. We're going to build that out, but keep looking and thinking, okay, what kind of speech do I have? So here's what Solomon has to say, even in the same chapter. We don't even get out of chapter 10. Chapter 10, verses 18 to 21, he says this. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. So as you think about that, as you take time to mull over what you're hearing there and reading, I would encourage you to compare that to what we heard in Titus 3 earlier about our life before Christ. There's some overlap here, that idea that foolish speech perpetrates hatred, right? It says here, a fool hates others. That's who we were before Christ. We were hated and hating one another. A fool will try to conceal that hatred by lying about it. So this is a person who, to your face, will treat you just fine, be kind to you. But as soon as your back is turned, you better believe what they say is different. That hatred comes out in their speech, but not when you're listening. It says that they are a slanderer of others. Slandering means that you speak critically of others in in an attempt to hurt them or to harm them. That's what a fool is known by. A fool is also characterized by speaking a lot. A fool doesn't shut up, if I can say that from the pulpit. One of the dangers that we hear about here is that uh, if we speak a lot, regardless of, of what our intentions are with our speech, um, the more we speak, the more opportunity we're giving ourselves to use that speech poorly. The more opportunities there are for sin to come out in our speech. And so what we see is that it's prudent, it's wise to restrain our speech to not gush, but instead to give thought to what we're about to say, to choose our words carefully. A wise person thinks about what they're going to say, and in order that, what they do say would build up and speak words of life to others. And here in verse 21, it tells us that the lips of the righteous feed many. It's implying that when you interact with someone who's Uh, speaking wisely and righteously, you walk away encouraged. You walk away built up. You've been given life. You've been nourished by that interaction. But a fool, they don't want anything to do with that. They're senseless. They don't want to hear about that. They don't want to be nourished. And so they walk away and they starve to death. Fool is hard of hearing. So let's keep building out our table. So now we've got uh, not only does foolish speech conceal violence, but it's also lying lips, right? So foolish speech is someone who's lying, someone who's slandering others, who's speaking poorly about them, seeking to hurt and harm them. Uh, They're frankly someone who's talking a whole lot, and they're not a good listener. Whereas wise speech is like a fountain of life. It's building others up. It's giving opportunities for growth. It's restrained speech, so there's not a lot being said. And when something is being said, it's worthwhile and edifying. Yeah, and it's a word of life. So again, as you think about this, consider... 
what kind of speech do I have? What is my life characterized by? And then again, what does that reveal about my heart? And if you're here and you're already seeing some things that you're like, oh boy, uh, yep, I, I know that I do that and I need to change, that's not okay, then I would encourage you to write that down in your bulletin right now. Right As the Holy Spirit is leading and convicting you, don't give room for yourself to escape it and forget about it later. Just write it down. Here is a way that I, am, I have been foolish in my speech and I need to address it. And then come back later and we can address it. Now what I want to do next is run through a series of Proverbs kind of in rapid succession. Um, and what they're going to do is help us to establish some of the common patterns of foolish and wise speech. And so uh, let's consider these. There's going to be three on the first slide and then two on the second. Proverbs 14 verse 5 says this, A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness, witness breathes out lies. See the difference there? Just a few verses later in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 2, it says, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pours out folly. And then at the end of that same chapter, in chapter 15 verse 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So you see some common themes there, some comparisons, some contrasts. Let me give you two more. Proverbs 16, 27. A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. And then the very next verse, 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. So there's some themes there, some patterns that we need to uh, address and unpack, some of which we've already heard, some of which are new. For wise speech, it's truthful speech. It's speaking what's in accord with the truth. It's not interested in lying. It's seeking to commend knowledge or learning, right? It wants you to be built up and edified in that way. Again, we hear the idea of it takes time. It considers what it's going to say before it speaks because a wise person wants to speak well. But then on the contrary, we hear that fools, they speak lies. They're not concerned with what is true. They are speaking whatever suits them. We're told that a fool pours out folly, which means that they commend, they encourage you uh, down this path that leads to death. Whatever is foolish, whatever is folly, that's what's coming out of them. They're gushing that. We're, we were actually told that they pour out evil things in general. Right? So a fool, it's kind of like the imagery of a, of a water pitcher just being poured out, just words gushing out of them. And the content of those words is to entice you or to lead you astray. It's to encourage you to laugh or to enjoy something that isn't pleasing to Christ. They're not someone who holds back their speech. They talk, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk. And the content of their speech is not good. Right? And we heard that analogy is used again, the scorching fire. That's what their words are like. They are setting you ablaze. They're creating destruction and spreading death. It's not good. The fruit is not good. Foolish speech leads to disunity and ruined relationships. Right? And so we have to be able to recognize those things. And as you're hearing this, I hope what you would say is like, holy smokes, I haven't really taken time to consider how powerful my words are. Right? There's a lot of power in your words. And if you think about the average human lifespan, right, you have 70 to 80 years roughly of speaking. 
Are you going to use those years for speaking words of life? I mean, think about how much good you could do over that lifetime if you're constantly speaking words of life that are building others up. But then on the other side of it, think about how much damage you could do if you spend those years speaking words of death that tear others down. So let's look now at our chart. We've got a few more things there. All right, so lying is still continuing through with that theme of foolish speech. The content of pouring out folly, pouring out evil is there. Um, even just that it's what we think, that a fool's thinking about evil, so that's what's in their heart, comes out of their mouth. It's like that scorching fire, setting ablaze others, spreading strife, separating close friends. But a wise person is speaking what's true. They're commending knowledge. They're seeking to, again, restrain their words, and that when they do speak, it's a word of life. It's giving unity. So a lot of, of difference between the two. Hopefully you're starting to see, okay, fools and wise people, they speak way differently. And then the next step would be saying, well, which one am I? Which pattern do I follow? And I'm guessing, and I don't want you to say any names out loud, but we've all encountered a fool in our lifetime. You've been around someone who gushes evil, laughs at, encourages you down a path that's wicked. They don't stop talking. And when they do talk, it's not good stuff. Um, those people are often hard to be around if you're in the category of the righteous and the wise because you know, like, this is not what I want to be a part of. Hopefully, you've also had the opportunity to taste and see the good fruit from someone who is wise. Someone who, when you're around them, what comes out of their mouth is satisfying to you. It encourages you. It builds you up. You walk away from that conversation saying, man, I'm really glad I talked to them. That was such a blessing. Right? What, what a powerful statement about what our words can do and what kind of person we can be. Right? We should all aspire to be the wise who speaks a word of life. Well, something else that you need to know is it's not just about what, the, what you say with your speech. Um, there's another concept that's taught in Proverbs. It's also about what you take in, what, what speech you're willing to listen to. So look at Proverbs 17, verse 4. Proverbs 17, verse 4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So not only does what you say reveal your heart, but now we're hearing that what you allow to be said to you, what you're willing to take in, also says something about your heart. If you enjoy letting other people encourage you towards folly, if you laugh at those you know, jokes, if you are inviting that into your life, that says something about you. So beware of that. Consider who you're allowing to influence you. What kind of people do you surround yourself with? Who has the loudest voice in your life? Is it the world? Or is it brothers and sisters in Christ who are encouraging you on to love and good deeds? I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. Uh, this also, I think, goes for the different entertainment mediums that we pursue and listen to whether it's TV shows, whether it's uh, Netflix, whether it's podcasts, uh, social media, whatever it may be, those things are your counselors. You are giving those people a voice into your life, and they do have influence over you. What message are they conveying? And as you listen to them, what are you approving of? What path is it putting you on? Things that we need to consider. And so what we've seen as a key theme is a fool doesn't restrain their speech, right? They talk a lot. 
They let you know they have a lot to say. And so, as you're thinking about all of this, as you're processing and mulling this over, if you're here today, and you're someone who is often doing all of the talking in your conversations with others, you may be a fool. You need to evaluate that. You may be a fool. If you're here, and in your interactions with other people, you're not real interested in listening and hearing their point of view and seeking understanding, you may be a fool. And if you're here today and you know that you're right and everyone else is wrong, then you're definitely a fool, right? There's just, there's no budding around about that one. We're just going to call that one like it is. You are a fool if that's your case. So let's consider a few more Proverbs here as we kind of um, build out this table and then we'll move on. Proverbs 17.27 says this, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Proverbs 18 verse 2, it's much different. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. In Proverbs 29 verse 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So again, you hear those themes, right? A wise person restrains their speech. They're not quick to speak. They understand, I don't know it all. I need to learn, I need to listen. And then they understand that when I do speak, I want to make sure that there are words that are appropriate to the situation and the words will build up, will encourage, will edify those that hear. A wise person is not interested in just being heard for the sake of being heard. They only want to be heard if it's going to be helpful to those that hear it. You guys getting the hint of how a wise person sounds way different than a, a fool? Hopefully at this point you could pick them out by the way that they're speaking. Please don't start walking around and doing that. Fool! <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe a little more loving than that. But these people are radically different, right, in how they use their words and, and when they speak and how they speak. And so let's finish out our chart here and ask ourselves which one describes you. I'm not going to go back through all of them, but we're going to see right at the end of the foolish speech, it's someone who hates listening. They don't want to understand. They just want to express their opinion. They want to tell you what they think. They give full vent to their spirit, meaning whatever is in here, it's coming out. They don't restrain it. If it's on their heart, you're going to know it. Whereas the wise person, they restrain their words. They are not quick to anger. They are able to quietly hold back their spirit. There's self-control there. There's the fruit of the spirit there of self-control. So which one? Which one describes you? And as we learn to differentiate between these two, the wise and the fool, in their speech, that then empowers us to respond to it. If you're here and you're in Christ, you have the ability, the choice now to repent. You can confess where you've gone astray and where you've sought and lived out folly, and you can say, I don't want that anymore. You can go home or you can lean over uh, to your family right now even and say, I've been a fool. Here's how. The ways that I've been speaking, you know, you can go on and on and ad address that with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, whoever it's been, you can go and handle that. And you don't have to live that way anymore because you're set free from sin. You're no longer enslaved to it. So if that's you, I would encourage you, take that step of, of obedience. Cry out to the Lord, right? That's not going to be easy. It's going to be humbling. Ask God to help you, to give you the strength. It's not in your own strength that you're going to do it. It's in his grace and his mercy that you'll do that. But know that he is pleased as you do that. And as you're seeking to replace folly with wisdom, 
again, where better to turn than to the word of God? Right? I learned it from Proverbs. Frankly, you could go to the Gospel of Matthew. You could study uh, the life and ministry of Jesus and observe how he speaks. There's a lot to be learned there. Learn to speak words that build up and encourage others. And if you're here and you would say, well, when I do my evaluation in humility, I understand that I've actually been blessed with wise speech. Praise God for his work in your life, right? We want to rejoice with you. And it's not praise you, it's praise God for his work in you. He's ultimately the one that's producing that fruit in and through you. But we want to celebrate. And I want to encourage you to not grow weary. Continue to speak timely words of encouragement and words of life. You are so needed in our day and age. Well, this brings us to our third and and last lesson here about how to honor God with your tongue. It's to taste and see the fruit of your words. Taste and see the fruit of your words. And I think this is probably to be expected, but when you walk down these paths in your speech, they will bear different kinds of fruit. They will produce a certain kind of fruit. If you walk down the path of folly that leads to death in your speech, it's going to produce bad fruit. If you walk down the path of wisdom that leads to life, it will produce good fruit. And so let's look at how that is played out in Proverbs. We see it in Proverbs 12, 13, and 14. It says this, An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hands come back to him. What you're hearing is that if you are someone who speaks good things, that produces a fruit of, you don't get into trouble. You stay away from that soul-ensnaring speech, the things that a fool does that wrap him up in his sin. But if you speak evil words, right, there are consequences for that. If you talk trash, if you instigate trouble, that will bring consequences into your life. You're asking for trouble King Solomon actually makes sure that you know what's going to happen if you do this. Listen to Proverbs 14, verse 3. He says, By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Very similarly, in Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 7, a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. There's bad fruit when you pursue folly in your speech. You are literally asking for a fight. And so if you've been foolish in your speech, you already probably know this. There's a lot of fighting in your life. There's a lot of arguing with the people around you. It's hard uh, when you're a fool to not get into fights. Your words are spreading death and destruction. They're stirring up anger in others. You're ruining relationships by the way that you're speaking. You're perpetuating that cycle of being hated and hating one another that we heard about in in Titus chapter 3. And if you're here this morning and you're in Christ, you profess to follow and know him, guys, we don't have any business living that way. Christians have no business in speaking in a foolish way that brings destruction. We've been set free from that. His precious blood has been shed so that we can change. So accept that freedom and and change, repent, and, and turn from that. Right? You are free to speak words of righteousness, words that build up, words that encourage. But a fool's mouth, they ruin him, and they ruin others. 
It says his lips are a snare to his soul. Don't miss the eternal ramifications there. Your speech can take you down the path of folly all the way to the point of death. I would encourage you to repent before it gets to that place. We're talking about eternity here, and that matters. Conversely, let's look at some of the fruit of the wise person's speech. Here's what it looks and tastes like. In Proverbs 15, verse 23, it says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Just a few verses later in the next chapter, it says, Righteous lips are a delight of the king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. And then just a few verses later in chapter 16, verse 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Right? You get this picture of, of wise words being so good to you. It's, it's knowing what to say and when to say it. It's a timely word. It's a word that builds up. It's a word that gives you life. It brings you joy in the midst of whatever you're going through. Wise speech is marked by righteousness. Why speech earns you favor in the lives of others that you're in relationship with, even the king. If you're a righteous and wise speaker, you earn the favor of those who are in authority over you. So rather than ruining relationships like the fool, you're actually strengthening relationships. Now, as I was doing this, uh, a particular movie came to mind. Have any of you guys watched Aladdin recently? You know, they just did a live-action remake of this, and so um, when I saw that it came out, Aladdin was my favorite childhood Disney movie, and so we thought we would uh, let our girls see it, and then uh, we watched the original cartoon version so they could see the better version of it. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was interesting, because as I was preparing this sermon, you know, I thought of a particular character from Aladdin who, who just comes up and is in Proverbs. It's Jafar. Right? Jafar is the royal vizier, right? That's his title. He's the counselor to the sultan of Agrabah. He's supposed to be a wise counselor. He's supposed to give words of wisdom that build up. But if you've seen the movie, you know that that's not Jafar at all. He is not a wise counselor. His speech is actually full of lying and deceit, and he loves violence, right? Jafar is the epitome of the fool that we've been learning about today. And so if you don't remember anything else from this sermon, here's one takeaway that you can remember. Don't be Jafar, okay? Don't be Jafar. If that's all you remember, remember that. Because if you're familiar with the movie, what ultimately happens is Jafar's words, his deceitfulness, his folly catches up with him, right? He doesn't win the day at the end. The sultan turns against him, recognizes him for who he is, and so do all who value what is right. And he's defeated, It's not a good end for for the one who walks down the path of folly. And so I want to commend you to be a wise person, one who has God-honoring speech, who speaks in accord with righteousness. Be one who knows what pleases God, and then share that with others, right? Speak words of life. Build one another up. Give wise counsel in times of need. Allow your words to be like that honeycomb that just give life to a person, They'll leave them walking away saying, man, I'm so glad I talked to him. I'm so glad I talked to her. I feel lifted up. And as we wrap up here today, I want to end where we began with our eyes on Christ. Right? We have to turn to Jesus in this battle for God-honoring speech. This is not something that you can just will yourself to do. It's his grace and his mercy that's going to change you. It's his Holy Spirit that empowers you to make these changes. 
Jesus is the perfectly wise one. He always spoke with righteousness, and every word that he spoke honored God. It's amazing. He always said the right thing at exactly the right time. And Jesus is not just our perfect example. He is our perfect substitute. We can't be perfect. We haven't been perfect, but Jesus has. And he enables you to change. He enables you to be made new. Your heart can be made new, which then allows you to produce good fruit in your speech. And so I want to encourage you to seek that, to cry out to the Lord for that, and to praise God that he's made a way for you to have God-honoring speech. Again, we say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah for the cross. Let's go and ask God for help in this matter. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the teaching of your word about the necessity of God-honoring speech. And as we study your word, we recognize that we don't measure up. It's a reminder yet again that we need Christ to save us, to rescue and redeem us. And we are so thankful as we celebrated the Lord's table earlier, as we sang in the worship set, as we've studied here in your word that it points us to you that we desperately need you and that you have gladly given your life so that we can be set free from sin and death. Thank you, Jesus. Would you help us now to respond with faith and obedience, to live for you, for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, for those who are here that are in Christ, Lord, for those that are wrestling uh, with, maybe they've seen some folly in their speech, maybe they recognize, oh my goodness, there's things that I've said, things that I've done that don't reflect Jesus, the one that I profess to follow, I pray that as they are convicted today, that they would want to take those steps of repentance, that they'd want to change, but they'd also be encouraged that you are the one working in them to enable that change. For those who are here and they're rejoicing because they've been encouraged, they've been reminded that their speech is life-giving, praise you for what you're doing in them. I pray that they would give you all the glory for that and that they would keep on speaking words of life. And then for those who are here who are wrestling with what they believe, maybe uh, convicted by what they've heard today, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. That they would admit that they can't do it on their own. And frankly, that they're tired of the cycle that they keep repeating of death and destruction in their words. That they would say, I want to know Jesus. I want to change. And that today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, in all of these things, to you be the glory. Thank you for saving us. We pray this in Jesus' name.